says growing up has also made him realize you can't avoid problems along the way. He even wrote a song about it. I just love the groove. We call that how slow can you go. It's, it's one of those grooves. If you go too slow, it's going to drop dead. But if you did it any faster, it wouldn't have that groove. It just wouldn't have that right groove. Stormfront, the title song of his current hit album. There's always going to be a storm out there. It's how you're going to deal with it. If you've got a boat, look, you either pull that boat out of the water and put it in dry dock and run home and dive under the bed and hide under the covers. Or you get in the boat, turn on the engine, and drive into the face of the storm. Incredible performer. That is. How's that lawsuit going that he's got against his ex-manager, uh, ex Right. Well, as you know, Hugh, Billy has sued his ex-manager for $90 million, charging that he mismanaged his finances. His ex-manager, Frank Weber, has countersued. Uh, we talked to Frank Weber. He told us the charges are simply not true. He says, in fact, the reason Billy filed suit was to get out of paying him, Weber, uh, some commissions on the album. So this one is up to the lawyers and up to the courts. Which of his songs are, are his favorites? Well, I asked that question. He said, you know, they're all my children, he said, and some grow up to be doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs, and some grow up to be bums. He says, an example of a doctor and a lawyer is New York State of Mind, Allentown, Piano Man. As for a bum, it's a song he wrote in French, a language he doesn't speak. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And I'm Paul Lauren. This is Billy Joel, A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends, Elon and Dave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z, as today, after finishing the Billy Joel classic, When in Rome, we officially wrapped up Billy Joel's 11th and penultimate album, Stormfront. Stormfront was released to much fanfare on October 17th, 1989, as the song We Didn't Start the Fire was released a month before and entered its legendary climb up the charts three days previous to the album release. On December 16th, 1989, We Didn't Start the Fire and the album Stormfront reached number one on the Hot 100 and album charts. And I don't know if you know anything about the music business, but it is an extremely elite group that not only has a number one album and song on the charts at the same time, but it's even rarer to have your 11th album go to number one. I mean, the Beatles did it with Abbey Road. Madonna and Prince did it, although Prince had a number one movie to help it with Batman. The Rolling Stones did it on their 22nd album, but that's a whole other stratosphere. Elton John didn't do it, and Taylor Swift will most likely do it with her next release. The point, of course, being you are a true rock legend 
if you pull off that feat. Stormfront was Billy's third number one album and rattled off seven hits from the collection. Although I believe we as fans would question the word hits off this album, especially since all of the songs released besides We Didn't Start the Fire never made it past 70. Although someone must have loved this album because they put it out again, but disguised it as a Greatest Hits Volume 3 album in 1997. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Stormfront was a radical departure from Billy's previous seven albums as Staples' Phil Ramone, Russell Javers, and Doug Stegmeyer were all given their walking papers. Instead of Phil Ramone, Billy wanted Eddie Van Halen to produce the album, but Eddie said... I like getting high, not producing. So he got legendary foreigner creator Mick Jones to produce the album. Not only had Mick Jones produced every foreigner album, which between 1977 and 1984 was just as successful as Billy Joel, but also produced Van Halen's 5150, which was a huge success and a big risk after replacing the beloved lead singer. The Beatles loved Mick Jones, and Mick ended up working with George Harrison on his solo albums, So all that seemed to be right in Billy's wheelhouse. Billy Joel was nominated for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for the 1991 Grammy Awards, in which he lost to Roy Orbison. I mean, what are you going to do? And Billy and Mick Jones were nominated for Producer of the Year, but lost out to Quincy Jones for his own legendary album, Back on the Block. And I want to play you three of the songs from that album. And then you tell me if that deserved. But we're all going to say later, Stormfront might not be Billy Joel's best, but this back on the block. Wait, do you hear the first three songs off this? Are you guys ready? Yeah, do the it. First three songs. It it's the same beat for the first three songs. But you've heard this beat a hundred times. If it doesn't scream 80s. All right, that's number one. <laughs> Is that Here's him number- singing? No, <laughs> he got some other people, I assume. Okay. I'm assuming. <laughs> Here's number two. <laughs> Maybe a slight distance. Here's the last one. I'm not saying they're bad songs. It's just they sound exactly alike, and they certainly sound 80s. And Billy, Billy Joel's album, I mean, you know, you can tell the difference between the songs. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they both sound so 80s. It's just different types of 80s. I guess, but those three songs sounded exactly. I mean, I don't know how you have producer of the year for the first three songs sounding exactly the same. That's what the kids used to call back in the day, New Jack Swing. That is that was true? the yeah. That's the that's the style that 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 beat is. Yeah, uh, Teddy I mean, Riley. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I love that beat. You know, that's it's uh, a great beat. It's a what, swinging that's beat. Like, yeah, that's um, new edition. Yep, new edition. You know, exactly. Boys right. to men. Yeah, yeah. Boy, uh, no, maybe oh, new kids on the block. Men, yeah. Maybe 
had all that stuff. Actually, a lot of Michael like, Jackson's but... Dangerous album, if you think about Remember the Time or any Black or White, those songs all had that New Jack swing beat, too. Ah, I like those songs, too. Well, let's face it. I mean, we know Quincy Jones is a really good producer, but we also know that Mick Jones was really good, too. So I'm just saying at least he tried something new. All right, Stormfront yeah. went four times platinum, which makes it the seventh greatest Billy Joel selling album. Rolling Stone magazine put Stormfront out of Billy Joel's top 10 at number nine. That's not great. But let's all be clear. Without We Didn't Start the Fire being the absolute mega hit that it is, was this album would most likely have been considered a stinker. But again, thanks to We Didn't Start the Fire, this album also introduced Billy Joel to an entire new generation of fans and why he could sell out live shows all the way to 2023 and beyond. All right, let's take a listen. The 10 songs we'll be discussing today on the Billy Joel A to Z Stormfront album wrap up. Shop. 
As we bring in our friend and co-host, Alan Altman. Alan, lovely to have you here. Great to be here too, Dave. I can't believe we're wrapping up another one so soon. And uh, as you know, this is my all-time favorite Billy Joel album, so I'm very excited. <laughs> I did know that. And live from Nashville, the music capital of the world. Again, what an honor to have him as our friend and album wrap-up co-host, Mr. Paul Lauren, everybody. The honor is all mine, guys. Thank you. 
and thank you because we know that uh, your house got flooded by what they call climate change. And uh, (laughs) thank you for being so amenable to still join us even after all that nonsense happened. We really appreciate that. We know you went out of your way. You can't see see it right now, but I'm in, it's about six inches of water here. (laughs) I know that's a real trooper folks. A storm front came through. (laughs) (laughs) What is that number 10 on the Beaufort scale? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mood indigo. <laughs> yeah, mood indigo. Well, so we are here to talk about Stormfront today. And what we usually do is uh, kick off these things with an awesome Paul Lauren rendition of one of the 10 songs from Stormfront. Paul, which have you chosen to play for us today for our listening pleasure? I've chosen the ode to schizophrenia. Uh, I, <laughs> I go to extremes. Nice. All right. I'm getting into that lately. Call me a joker. Call me a fool. Right at this moment, I'm totally cool Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife I feel like I'm in the prime of my life Sometimes it feels like I'm going too fast I don't know how long this feeling will last Maybe it's only tonight Darling, I don't know why I go to extremes too high or too low There ain't no in-betweens And if I stand or I fall It's all or nothing at all Darling, I don't know Why I go to extremes Sometimes I'm tired Sometimes I'm shot Sometimes I don't know how much more I got Maybe I'm headed over the hill Maybe I've set myself up for the kill Tell me how much do you think you can take Until the heart in you starting to break Sometimes it feels like it will Darling, I don't know why I go to extremes too high or too low There ain't no in-betweens You can be sure when I'm gone I won't be out there too long Darling, I don't know Why I go to extremes Out of the darkness Into the light Leaving the scene of a crime Either I'm wrong or I'm perfectly right every time Sometimes I lie away night after night Coming apart at the seams Eager to please, ready to fight Why do I go to extremes?
Thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, knowing we were going to do this, listened to the album as a whole, walking around, not in my car this time, walking around the streets of Manhattan, and it was a completely different experience listening to the album song by song the way he made you to hear it, with the songs fading out, the new ones fading in. It was a very totally different experience, and I appreciated the album a little more and listening to it that way. And then I kind of liked, I go to extremes more. And while you were playing it, I, I fixed my top 10 list. <laughs> I changed oh. it after listening. No, to ballots are closed. You can't do that. <laughs> well, well, I guess I could give it to you the way I had it. Yeah, that was terrific. That song is uh, definitely growing on me a little bit more. And after you playing it, it always, of course, changes. But yeah, the album as a whole, I guess if you listen to it, the the way it was intended to be listened to, it's I, it's nobody's favorite album. Well, maybe before we start, Alon, your thoughts on this album. Well, first, I want to say I'm kind of disappointed in what Paul just did, because I don't, I don't think you broke any piano keys. <laughs> and Billy <laughs> Joel right. broke a lot of keys when he was doing this in the music video. That's right. Yeah, you didn't sit on the piano or anything. Lame, Paul. Yeah, gain oh, 100 like pounds the- and then sit on the piano at the end of the song. <laughs> Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm about to get electrocuted. There's about six inches of water under me. So to, to <laughs> yeah, he's got move. that going on a lot. Why don't you shut up? All right, all right. Uh, yeah, Dave, I feel kind of like how you did re-listening to the album. I think I always like really pan this album a lot, and but I actually did enjoy it a lot. And I do think I like it more than, say, The Bridge. Definitely. So there's that. And there's a lot of good tracks on it. It's not his strongest effort. He was trying to be like a more hard rock bluesy kind of guy, which is a little bit weird, but there's good stuff here. Yeah. What about you, Paul? I think the album grows on me as I approach middle age. I mean, how old was he? he was born in 49? So four, he's about 40 years old when he yeah, he's 40, right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll hit that soon enough. Don't tell anyone, but I think it does grow on me. It's, there's something, it's not a, it's almost, is he trying too hard? Is he trying too hard to fit what the music of the eighties and the, style of the 80s and is he trying too hard to be important again on the charts right i don't know there's something in that energy in that trying that is kind of endearing the bridge to him was an artistic failure i mean it was hastily put together 
he didn't have the songs. I mean, I think this is according to Billy himself. So it seems like he really tried here and there's some gorgeous moments. I think some of his best material actually is on this record material that I would go to bat for. And Dave, you said it's no one's favorite album, but I can name at least two or three friends who uh, would, <laughs> maybe their taste is questionable, but they're, <laughs> well, how they old are they? Your age? By this record. Are they your age? Including Lindsay Lohan, who, um, <laughs> Are, are they your age? Around my age, yeah. Maybe I, I'm only later. asking because the, the people we've had on, the comics, the, the guests we've had on, whoever they be, always seem to like, obviously, his earlier stuff. And people always just question, again, as Danny Vermont put it, the back nine. Yeah, so a lot of people we've talked to don't seem to like the latter half, uh, the bridge and beyond. So that's that's why I had mentioned it. I haven't heard anybody who says they like this album the most, but it would make sense that if you have musician friends, they might think differently. Yeah. I think I, I think some of his best material is actually on this record. Well, that is fascinating. Take. Let me read you everybody's favorite, the 1989 review from Rolling Stone magazine. We love these kind of things, you know, how they come out. And then, of course, we read the, the one from 25, 30 years later. Uh, this is from John McCallie from Rolling Stone magazine, November 30th, 1989. On Stormfront, and remember, there's big words in here. Sometimes I can't pronounce. On Stormfront, his first studio album since The Bridge in 1986, Billy Joel throws off pop complacency for an angry, committed, and often moving exploration of life in modern America. Defining the album's theme of lost innocence is a core of songs that evokes the desperate disorientation that has suffused American consciousness over the past decade. Stormfront's aggressive tone is immediately established by the surging slide guitar and growling blues harp that kicks off That's Not Her Style, the record's opening track. But the album gets down to business with its second cut, We Didn't Start the Fire. Stormfront's propulsive first single, We Didn't Start the Fire, sounds the alarm on a society that has lost its moral center and is spinning out of control. Telescoping 40 years of history into a feverish, chronological roll call of political leaders pop icons and world events joel charts the steady erosion of our national spirit since 1949 incidentally the year of his birth the singer captures the carefree mood of 49 and the first of a series of musical time capsules harry truman doris day and so on but as the song rushes toward the present it catalogs the crisis the crises that have compromised our dreams ending with a spirit-crushing litany of contemporary social horrors, foreign debts, homeless vets, AIDS crack, Bernie gets, uh, until Joel shouts, I can't take it anymore. He left out the cola war part. That's a good point. It does, it, they, actually, they did put it, China's under martial law, and then just Joel shouts, you're right, they left off the cola wars. <laughs> because it, it's clearly a positive review. He doesn't want to make it like, and then he talks about the cola wars. That would <laughs> undermine the whole thing. <laughs> The broad cultural sweep of We Didn't Start the Fire finds a personal focus in the record's next track, The Downeaster Alexa. The song tells a haunting tale about a Long Island fisherman who cannot provide for his family because government regulations have crippled his livelihood. With its slow marital beat and plaintive, gull-like violin squalls, Alexa casts a dreamlike image of a wrecked man trolling Atlantis, navigating a lost world. The song reaches an aching climax when, stirred by the memory of his fisherman father, the man cries aloud, lamenting the death of his family legacy. 
that Joel's daughter is named Alexa Ray only heightens the song's resonance. These guys are nuts <laughs> the way they word stuff. Joel's other protagonists experience vague frustrations and longings. The character in the hard driving, I go to extremes. Futility tries to account to his girlfriend for his inconsistent moods and wavering confidence. The lover in Shameless sings with persuasive pride about his enslavement to his women's affections while his swaggering alter ego in Stormfront disowns domestic bliss and sets sail on a sea of temptation. Not all of the weather on Stormfront is so heavy, however. Joel offers heartening assurances on when in Rome, an uplifting R&B-inflected anthem about love survival, and on the stately Leningrad, Joel chronicles how his 1987 visit to the Soviet Union melted his Cold War fears. Musically, Stormfront struts with insistent rock and roll authority. Foreigners, Mick Jones, who co-produced the album with Joel, replaces Joel's longtime collaborator, Phil Ramone. As a result, the record boasts a muscular drum sound, gritty guitar work, and some rousing blues rock womp. The producers steer clear of the Joel Ramone penchant for epic suites and stylistic pastiche in service to Stormfront's sturdy rock and roll heart. In dramatic fashion, Joel provides the otherwise temptuous Stormfront with a coda of exquisite grace. The hymn-like, and so it goes, takes the record's turbulent emotions and stills them in a moment of quiet revelation. Accompanied only by a piano and a discreet synthesizer, Joel proposes emotional vulnerability and reconciliation to life's uncertainties as a route to secular redemption. It is a note of startling maturity, at once mournful and bracing, and as the final word on an album that takes a serious look at a troubled world, it reflects the hard-earned wisdom of a no longer innocent man. So, so I guess it was a positive review, which is, uh, again, I, I mean, Paul, join me on this. In, in, 19, in 2022, Mick Jones said about what stands out about the sessions for Stormfront. Billy was looking to toughen up in certain areas, and I think he had the respect of working with another songwriter. I really do, do think that we toughened it up a bit, especially with tracks like We Didn't Start the Fire. I think he headed into some new ground, but then he says we did a pretty rocking album. I wouldn't disagree. I actually wouldn't disagree with that. You think this album is rocking in the <laughs> words of in the quote rocking, you know, I think it's like, yes, it's very dated sonically. There's a lot of big drums and big guitars and cheesy eighties things, but imagine this record gets remixed and stripped down to just a band in the room. You know, I think it would be an awesome, awesome, and yes, rockin' record. Is that a hot take? I don't know that it is. That is a hot take. That's a, I, as soon as you said it, I'm like, well, see, now that's interesting. Hmm. If it was maybe taking out the dated 80s portions of it and and played with the band, like you said, it could be quite interesting. I never think of it as a rock album. This is like the least. I mean, I know Mick Jones produced it, but Foreigner played rock and roll, you know, Double Vision hot-blooded that to me is rock and roll and this to me is not it's billy joel rock and roll it's a different kind of rock and roll well it's still the most rock he's ever been so you gotta give i that. suppose that's true yeah is glass houses more rocking to you guys than this one no no mm -hmm. this is definitely more rocking than glass houses but glass houses is a different kind of rocking. i guess more 
the Billy Joel 50s rocking, I guess. Huh. Well, they both open with a with a Rolling Stones song, basically. You may be right, and that's not her stop. Well, we'll get there, but they both but, have follow a similar vein through the long night, and so it goes, right? The way they kind of end. It's very interesting. They're kind of similar records in a way. I never thought about that. Yeah, this and one's just bluesy, and that one's like, you know, new wave, wave basically. Yeah. Yeah, different types of rock. Okay. I'll, do I'll you do you think it's a wise move to start the album with? Is, is it that's not her style, right? Yeah, uh, the way it starts with the harmonica, which of course I hate or whatever, but um, the the way it goes into it. Do you think that was the smart move starting the album that way? It sets the tone. I mean, there's a lot. That song's questionable. The lyrics are questionable. <laughs> and gave him something extra, right? For the perfect. There's some weird moments in that song. The harmo- the the harp, the harmonica's weird, but it does set the tone. That is basically like an. It sounds like an '80s stone song. I mean, I, I don't see. It's a stadium rock stone song. It kind of sets the tone for the rest of the record in a way. Don't yeah, think it's maybe a bad that's opener. True. It's so normal that. We didn't start the fire is the second track because that's the way it kind of always used to be on an album. The second track seemed to be the hit. You started off with a little something, and then the second track was always the one. Again, again, that song. I mean, we got to let's take that song out of this album. Does it go anywhere? Is it Billy Joel's worst album in 1989? If that song isn't a mega hit, are the other ones released the the way they were? Is this album successful at all without that strange song that we love? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still Billy Joel. So, like, just by that alone, it would have been successful. But when, what would the big single be? I guess I go to extremes would have been pushed. Yeah, probably right because that was the most popping joyful one i suppose yeah because you're not going to lead off with leningrad that's right it's terrible for a lead-off <laughs> single let's face it but i mean none of the other songs even though they were released did very well i mean we didn't start the fire as a phenomenon of and that's why it's funny mick jones is like yeah i thought we got to get it going you know we didn't start the fire he just can't picture the guy coming up with hot blooded and then like yeah we didn't start the fire man we didn't start the fire is just an anomaly it is the greatest song and, and you don't know why and we've talked about it a hundred times there's something about that damn song it's so great and it's so stupid at the same time it drives me nuts and yeah. i can't get enough of it i'm just imagining like that a- rolling stone guy reviewing this and like hearing that for the first time being like what the hell but he i mean he obviously liked it a lot but i I guess anyone who just heard that for the first time like i don't have that experience because for me it's always been in my life in a way like i was so little when it first came out uh but for you dave like as as an adult were you like what is he doing i I, nope not for me (laughs) i was it was the greatest song i ever heard in my life (laughs) as soon as it came out everybody loved it everybody thought it was the greatest like no one thought if they thought it was stupid, they still everybody knew about it. It was like a novelty song, you know, like like mm-hmm. the streak. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was just this thing, and everyone was talking about it. And it I guess no one had, even though we know that REM had done a song like that before, this one seemed to be the the one that everybody could sing along to, because you can't sing along to that REM one. 
So this, I don't know. I'm telling you, I was alive then. I was already in my twenties and it was a hot song. I mean, people worshiped it. I can imagine. Is it, do you think we didn't start the fire as his foray into hip hop? No, I think that he just got lucky. I don't think that would have been his plan. It just might've happened that people call it kind of hip hop and the time that it was released. I think he got lucky because he even says, and we've talked about this on the, we didn't start the fire actual episode. He, he says the melody is stupid. It's like two chords. I can't even, it's an embarrassment. You know, it's, it's hard to say why a song like that just you know there's no way they could say i think we have a hit on our hands no it's it, it would be too impossible except that stretch. there's something about the the melody which is parochial and yet you're like yeah i mean we're in concert we're going crazy the melody Yay! i'm talking about 2023 we, the melody works really well for the lists for the li- it's a list song right yep. but my my question is i don't think it's an intentional foray into hip-hop but Right, something in the air in the late '80s, right? D- would the song have worked if <laughs> if he Billy Joel took the melody out of the verses and listed all of those names and all of those historical events without a melody? As in the case, would he if he was rapping? Would the if song he was work? rapping? Do it, Paul. Do it. Well, I cannot do it. I, DJ I guess Paul Lauren. Should not do it. Question would be if he gave it to somebody else, right? Right. Would it be successful? Right. Well, just an, it was just a food for thought, really. Like this could be a hip hop song where verse is rapped and chorus is sung, like so many hip hop songs, and it seems to fit that mold. I mean, but the melody, as simple and as dentist drill as it is, as Billy says, really works for it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's fascinating that again, and we've seen this on a lot of Billy Joel's albums. Everything's all the hits, first side. And then the second side, not one, really. I mean, I know Leningrad is released and everything, but thats I don't think that was supposed to be a hit or anything, but he just crams them all on the first side, which I guess hmm. they used to do back then when you were making an album. But this was this is full-on CD time, 1989. So you're not, but but I guess if you're old school, you're still making an album, a first side and a second side. But look at the hit. That's not our style. We didn't start the fire. Down Easter Alexa. I go to his dreams of shameless. All the first side. And let me ask you a question, Paul. He starts the second side with Stormfront. Would you have possibly opened the album with Stormfront? Why not open with Stormfront? Well, I think it's just slow. And it's kind of, there is another Memphis kind of blues soul moment on this record, which is when in Rome, which is way quicker. But it doesn't. I think that's not her style as weird of a song as it is. It's just a better opener. I think the album is masterfully sequenced. That's my take on it. It is masterfully sequenced. Hmm. I really, I was surprised how much I enjoyed the song Stormfront again, when I was listening to it as a whole and how much I think I think of it sometimes plays in my head a little bit. So it's, it's a good, it's a good song, except as we spoke about it in the, in the episode, the lyrics are horrible, but <laughs> take out yeah, the horrible. Cut the mood indigo out, and it's oh a much my goodness! Song. And I didn't even know, Paul, that the words were mood indigo until Alon told me on the episode. And oh. that, and that's the amazing thing; it didn't matter. You yeah. know who cared? <laughs> like Dave I mean, thought the original lyrics were Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> wow, that didn't even come out for like ten more years, Dave. That's so stupid. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, damn it, you got me good there. Here, let me um read the review from the uh 25th anniversary in 2014. You want to hear that? Yeah. Sure. This is the class, it's it's much shorter. The classic rock review on April 2014 for the 25th anniversary of the album. This is uh completely different. With Stormfront, his 11th overall studio album, Billy Joel made a concerted effort to radically change his approach on several levels. First, he discharged a few members of the support band, which had been with him since the mid-70s, and enlisted Foreigner's McJones. The result of this pivotal effort at the sunset of the 1980s was a commercially successful album that received lukewarm critical feedback and, in many ways, began the decline of Joel's incredible pop career. All right, then he goes, then he goes through the songs. I'll just give you a couple of them. That's not her style, has an underlying vibe of bluesy rock, but is otherwise nothing more than a topical sanitized pop. We didn't start the fire. The main keyboard riff sounds like it could have been composed on an xylophone, especially alongside the tribal percussive sounds and bouncy synth bass during verses. The middle songs of this album are where you will find the top quality material. And then he goes on. Leningrad is a historical ballad, which feels like it would fit in well on the 1982 album, The Nylon Curtain. That's interesting. I agree. You do? Yeah. I mean, he didn't go to Russia before The Nylon Curtain, but the tone of that song for sure could fit on The Nylon Curtain. Yeah. That's interesting. Joe compares his protagonist's life with his own, much like he did in a previous song, Ballad of Billy the Kid. The last really good track on Stormfront is State of Grace, a real forgotten gem driven by Joel's high melodies and fantastic guitar work throughout by Jones, making it his best musical contribution on the album. When in Rome contains some Motown elements, especially in lead and backing vocals along a pretty good sax solo. And so it goes, closes the otherwise upbeat album with a sad ballad, almost tortured in its approach with vocals closely mimicking piano. So I think in in retrospect, they don't really care for the album. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, an, sorry. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, if you do more reviews, that's okay. Yeah, I just got one other one from uh, we do, we use this guy, Stephen Thomas Orwine from All Music, uh, again written after the fa- many years after the fact. When he went for a masterpiece on the Nylon Curtain. Billy Joel worked with his band and producer, Phil Ramone, crafting a Beatles-esque song suite that was perfectly in step with turnstiles. For Stormfront, he decided it was time to change things. He fired Ramone. He fired everyone in his band, save longtime drummer Liberty DeVito. He hired Mick Jones, the architect behind Foreigner's big AOR sound. He wrote a set of sober, somber songs, save that's not her style, weirdly defensive song about his model wife, Christy Brinkley. He was left with an album that is singularly singularly joyless joel makes no bones about his ambitions for stormfront when you lead with a history lesson as your first single it's clear you're not interested in fun that would have been a problem if his melodic skills weren't in decline joel packed all the strongest numbers into the first half of stormfront compared to the murky second side which perks up only mildly with leningrad and and so it goes it's upbeat, varied, melodic, and effective, but when it compared to his catalog, not only such high watermarks as The Stranger of Glass Houses, but with a record as uneven as The Bridge, it pales musically and lyrically. The five singles were catchy enough on the radio to propel the album to multiple platinum status, but in retrospect, Stormfront sounds like the beginning of the end. 
Mm. I don't know, Paul. I take umbrage with that. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, of course, yeah, there is a back nine quality, but that's only in retrospect. I mean, we're we're revising the history here. We look at the post Innocent Man records, the back nine, as as your buddy calls them. We look at that, and we're able to say his melodic skills and his talent or songwriting talent was in decline because we knew how it ended. But I, I think listening to this fresh, and I try to, there's some gorgeous moments on this record. State of Grace, that's a sleeper. That's a hidden gem. That's in a, kind of an incredible song. Downeaster Alexa, I mean, wh- wh- the lyric writing on that is just incre- like Dylan, like, Springsteen worthy, not amazing stuff. So I don't know, man. It's like Joel is just never getting his due with the critics, uh, the way I see it. I don't know. For every we didn't start the fire, there's an end. So it goes. Like, what more do you need? Like, incredible. It's a good point. We sometimes we forget about the Down Easter Alexa. That is kind of a kind of a masterpiece in a way, especially like you said, the lyrics. I wasn't even thinking about that. The melody alone, the way he gives you that feeling that you are on the waves, which they m- m- mention a lot. Liberty has a lot to do with that, too. You're right yeah. about that. That is. I mean, we- you'd rather listen to Alexa than the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. That, that's for sure, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I <laughs> yeah, would. It's, okay. it's nice to hear Billy also talk about places in Long Island for once. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, on fire today. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I was looking on... Um, wikipedia and they list the genre of this album as art rock would you call this art what no their definition of art rock just for the listeners because it's hard to know what these things mean art they they call it a subgenre of rock that generally reflects a challenging or avant-garde approach to rock or which makes use of modernist experimental or unconventional elements art rock aspires to elevate rock from entertainment to an artistic statement what I like that? that. I like that. I think that's good. I think if I'm describing this as art rock, then it's an outstanding album. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. if you're looking at it that way and it's not the rock and roll we think about, then it's a different kind of album. Yeah, but I wouldn't ever listen to When in Rome and think that's experimental. That's no, 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 not When in Rome. I actually think We Didn't Start the Fire is the closest the record comes to art rock. Yeah. There is a, you know, when you think of art rock, you think a lot about talking heads devo uh, there's some stay. rem you know kind of things in there there's something about we didn't start the fire that can fit in that world and almost mm. you could almost imagine david byrne singing a song like you know or devo doing a song like that. i don't know That's i would like I to hear the b-52s do it yeah there you go <laughs> uh paul would you at this time like to play another song for us yeah like like an art rock song please Okay. I'm playing one of my favorite art rock songs of all time. <laughs> the the only and Please art do it like song. the B52s. Yeah, it's going to be the only art rock song with an accordion in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could hit the notes today, but I'll try, folks. You doing down Easter Alexa? I'm going to do that. Oh Is my that god. Okay? Yeah. I I wasn't even I didn't think that'd be amazing. Okay. I didn't think that was something you'd be able to accomplish somehow with just the keyboard. So that's why I wasn't. Well, sure. yeah, well, I'm going to play accordion for it. For real? 
No, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that would have been amazing. For those who can't see, Paul just strapped on his one-man band. <laughs> yeah. Accordion, drums, cymbals. Well, I was gonna, if he was going to do that, then we were going to have to put this out on video, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm on the down Easter Alexa. And I'm cruising through Block Island Sound I've chatted a cause to the vineyard But tonight I am Nantucket bound We took on diesel back in my talk yesterday I Left this morning from the Bell in Gardner's Bay like all the locals here, I've had to sell my home. Too proud to leave, I've worked my fingers to the bone so I could own my down Easter Alexa. And I go where the ocean is deep. There are giants out there in the canyons. And the good captain can fall asleep I've got bills to pay and children who need clothes I know there's fish out there but where God only knows They say these waters aren't what they used to be But I've got people back on land who count on me So if you see my down if you work with the rod and the reel Tell my wife I am trolling Atlantis And I still have my hands on the wheel Sting thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on and on. Now I drive my down Easter Alexa more and more miles from shore every year. Since they told me I can't sell no strappers, then there's no luck in store fishing here I was a bay man like my father was before can't make a living as a bay man anymore there ain't much future for a man who works the sea there ain't no island left for islanders like me yeah 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 Yes, I think I think oh. I just grew a beard during that song, a great beard. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic! Thank you so much. Beautiful way to kick off 
the ranking. That's it for part one. Join us next week as we continue our Stormfront album wrap-up. You know what I say? When in Rome, do what the Romans do. <laughs> Have you heard that they didn't? They did a We Didn't Start the Fire update. Have you heard this? Fallout Boy, like the emo pop band? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's got that cool kind of... Don't you dare. Don't you even. What? Yeah, he's like, first be that... cold as ice. Cold as ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want to make love to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we never saw each other after that summer. She went away to college, and I went back to high school. Heartbroken. So if you're listening, Britney Spears, give Paul a call. <laughs> <laughs>